Hello and welcome to Get Flush, the world's favourite sanitation podcast. I'm Pete. I'd like to start this week's episode with a shout out to Chris Gregory from Little John Rentals in Saskatoon, Canada. They're used to cold weather up there in Canada and Chris told me earlier this week that he runs the coolant pipes on his truck to the waterline and waste valve to prevent them from freezing. If I'd known that sooner, I would have mentioned it in the second part of my article on winterization, which appeared in the December edition of the PSAI newsletter Association Insights last Monday. This part of the article looks at how to use sol and methanol and it includes several charts to show the freezing point of different concentrations of brine. But as I say, if I'd known about using coolant lines to prevent freezing, I would have included that as well. I've posted screenshots of this month's article in my social media, but I'll add a link in the notes for today's show, and I'll put one in for the first part which appeared in November. This week's episode of Get Flush features the webinar that I recorded with John Gaddikin from Service Corps last Thursday. I won't give too much of an introduction, but I do want to set the scene. Regular listeners to the show will remember that I appeared on a webinar with John in December last year. For that presentation, Service Corps asked me to identify the top 10 trends or issues that PROs could expect to face in 2021. Rather than do the same thing again this year, we thought we'd adopt a slightly different approach. This week's episode is all about what PROs can do to manage their costs and improve their efficiencies against the backdrop of rising global inflation. The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our quarterly webinar. Um, My name is Joy, and I work for Service Corps. Our webinar this quarter is on costs and efficiencies for pros. We're going to be doing a live Q&A at the end of the webinar. If you have any questions, please put them in the question or chat box, and we will answer them at the end. Let me introduce you to our panelists. John Gaddikin, he's been in the waste industry for about 20 years. He's been in software for 30 years. He is our current president here at Service Corps. And he's going to just be asking questions throughout the webinar and adding some context to the slides and what Pete has to say. He is definitely an industry expert. So that will be really helpful. And then we have Pete from Get Flushed. Pete is a former pro. He started the Get Flush podcast in April 2020. And he recently, last month, won a bronze medal at the business category in the New Zealand Podcast Award. So congrats, Pete. That's very exciting. You're doing an amazing job. Pete was on our webinar last December. And we did a webinar called Top 10 Trends for Pros in 2021, which is up on our YouTube channel. But everything that Pete had talked about And his points were so great and interesting. He had so much insight for this year that ended up happening or people could apply that insight. So we wanted to bring him back to get some more knowledge from Pete. Um, So thank you, Pete, for joining us today. Thanks, Joe. It's really nice to be back. I can't believe it's been 12 months since we did the last show. It's just been a crazy year. And it's lovely to see John again. Hey, John, how are you? Good, Pete. How have you been? How's New Zealand? Cold and wet today. It's been really nice, but cold and wet. And you're the other way around. I saw your sunrise photos. What a beautiful morning you're enjoying there. Denver is uh, sunny and 70 degrees. It's a little little weird. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Before we get into this, it's really, really nice to be invited back. And I know we talked off screen, John, about what should we do and how should we approach this. And I wanted to talk about pricing, but in order to do that, I need to share a disclaimer, which I hope the audience won't mind me running through very quickly. 
everybody will be aware there are really strict rules all over the world about anti-competitive behaviour. So I'm not going to tell anybody what prices they should be charging today. I wouldn't want to do that and it would be illegal for me to do that. So listeners, please make your own decisions on pricing and you're under no obligation to follow my advice. I'm going to roll through a number of issues and themes. Pricing is part of the conundrum and I'm going to set the whole of today's episode against the backdrop of the current economic climate. And I think, John, you'll agree with me, there have been some really unusual changes in the economy over the past year caused by the pandemic. And did I see that the Fed announced last week that inflation is back? Yeah, I think inflation is definitely back. There's several reasons for it, but I think a lot of it really comes down to the supply and the demand and and how the pandemic and everything else kind of played into it. So it'll be a good discussion today. So appreciate you, uh, you being here. Thank you. The background to the inflationary pressure. So we have seen during the pandemic, demand for restrooms is incredibly high. And supply has been quite short, not only in terms of new products, because the factories suffered closed downs, and then the plastic manufacturers suffered delays earlier in the year. We're also seeing huge demand to restroom operators for their restrooms and washstands, to the point that a lot of the operators I'm talking to have got quite empty yards, which is unusual for this time of year, because there are no events on and their event fleet would normally be held in reserve. But a lot of those products have been deployed onto the ground. And I'll frame all of today's episode around the fact that the restroom industry has suffered for many, many years from the perception by others, and perhaps by some in the industry, that it's a really low value service. And my experience as an operator is that I would deal with site managers, project managers, constructors, and they would always pressure me for the lowest possible price, which... In a market where inflation is going up and costs are soaring and demand is high, is not viable, John. You can't offer the lowest price and survive in, against that backdrop of business pressure. It just doesn't happen. I think there's an old saying, you get what you pay for. And if you're paying for the lowest possible price, you're going to have things that your suffers, uh, service suffer. Um, the conditions of the restrooms, the, the maintenance and, and just the sanitary conditions, all of that kind of just goes, goes hand in hand. It does. So the framework that we wanted to build this session around was the fact that low prices in the past have been used to win business, but the costs for restroom providers are fairly typical. It doesn't matter whether you're running one truck or 10 trucks, the costs of putting that driver in that cab for an eight or nine hour shift are roughly the same, regardless of the scale of your business. There are some other on costs which do increase as businesses grow, but in general, I wanted to talk about what operators can do to protect their revenue, to protect their market share and protect their profit margins while operating costs are on the rise. And I think that makes a fairly decent topic for today. I'm not saying I've got all the right answers. I just want to illustrate some of the things that I've seen and that people have told me about. And perhaps we'll get to the point where people listening in will go away and think there are a few things there that I could apply in practice to improve my current position. And the bottom line for me is that it's all about profit. All restroom operators must exist to generate profit. That's what pays the bills. Revenue minus costs equal profit. Against the economic pressures that we're seeing today, what can you do to protect your profit? Well, there are four simple answers here. First is raise your prices. And we may talk about this a bit later, John. The industry has always been a little bit shy about raising prices. My observation would be it's fine to raise prices, but you do need to think about how you do that and manage your customers. You may lose one or two, 
Restroom operators who've increased their prices have told me that they have a little bit of a drop-off, but then afterwards they've seen their uh, market share increase. Higher prices per se do not prevent people from buying from you. The second option you can do is to sell more volume. In restrooms, typically the more units you have out on the street, the more revenue you'll generate because you're charging more to more customers. You could also look at lowering your operating costs and improving your efficiencies. And they're the two elements that I really want to dig in today, John. And perhaps there'll be some insights that you can give us from a service core perspective that will support and assist and help restroom operators achieve these two objectives. Yeah, absolutely. I've used a really simple model. I talk about this in the podcast quite a lot. In order to explain complex realities, I like to use academic models that break things down into simple, easy to digest pieces. And the five themes that I've picked on today are not the only ones. There are many more. Of course, the reality of running a business is much more complicated than this. But the cost codes or revenue streams that are very important for restroom operators who supply restroom cabins to the market... For me, they're delivery and pickup. What are the costs and the revenues associated with that? The rental element, which is the hire of the cabin itself. Revenue generated from service or cleaning and the costs associated there. Staffing or labour. And then the business overheads that associate with that. And I'll stress again, these are really simple, but we've only got 45 minutes and it's quite difficult sometimes to unpack the big complex issues. So I've chosen this model in order to help us do that, John. Very good. Perhaps if we get into it and we'll look at those in turn, delivery and pickup. Everybody does this. Restroom operators do it all day, every day. It's an integral part of the business. We provide restrooms on site. And in order for that to happen, you have to take them to site and then you have to remove them at the end of the job. Now, the obvious costs associated with that, I broke down into three elements. The admin, which is everything that goes on to take the order and put that input the purchase order into your system and then the dispatch note and create the job card for the driver to deliver the unit to the site. So it's call handling, contract set up the admin part, the routing or dispatch, and then the billing element, which is really important. So those admin costs happen for every toilet delivery and pickup. I was going to say one thing too with software, not just with Service Core, but this can really help being able to actually have a screen open, be able to talk with a current customer, be able to set up a current customer and actually have all of that information, you know, including even you know payment information like credit cards and whatnot, is certainly encourage people to make sure if you are taking a credit card to consider all the PCI compliance issues that are around that. If you have a mechanism that you can actually enter that information and have it ready to go, that can increase your efficiencies in your admin right there. I bet you would save a huge amount of time just by having a simplified, integrated software system that allows the call handler to process all of this without inputting data three or four or five times, that they choose the customer if they're an existing customer. It's done, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and some of the things that we we run into is there's just some older platforms that actually they, they run locally on a server or something like that in an office. That kind of ties people to one location. Um, I know with COVID, uh, having any kind of a web-based program where you can do your work anywhere, access it by, you know, a username and password in a secure manner, that that definitely helps you do jobs, even if you're out, out in the field or watching, a, you know, your kid's soccer game or even at home at night, unfortunately. You know, I think a lot of us do those type of things. But having that information and having it be a seamless process, um, also just seeing notes about the customer, things that have happened in the past or different things that you may need to know is just super important to have that visibility into. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that applies to the next element, which is the physical cost of delivery. So it's the mileage to and from, the, the actual kilometres or miles on the truck. The driver's time, and then the time it takes to prepare the restroom for use. And if a, if a cabin's been stood in the yard for a while, it will need to be cleaned when it gets to site. And of course, you'll have to put in the initial supply of consumables, which would be your paper, your blue, your sanitizer. And it's really important that all of those costs are calculated and factored in when you're working out how much it costs to deliver a unit to site. And my challenge to, to operators is, do you know how much it costs for you to send a driver with a restroom to a site or to send a driver to collect a restroom and bring it back to the yard. And if you don't, I would really encourage you to spend some time and work that out just as a rough ballpark figure. And of course, it's going to be different for everyone, John, because the mileage is often different. Not every toilet's going to the same location. With Service Core, we do have some tools for that. Uh, you know, again, if you're looking into software, I would encourage you to, to look for these because it can really help you with a lot of efficiencies. There's some things that you know to be true as an operator. So you probably have a good idea of does it take five minutes or 10 minutes to you know, clean such restroom and whatnot? So when you're setting up your, your jobs for the day, you should be able to actually put the service times in and actually show what you believe that service time to be. And then also when you're actually doing your optimization, it should then be able to tell you the time or the mileage in between stops. And then if your application has an app, it'll actually, when you start the job or end the job, it shall actually calculate that. And then you can go back and look at what the, you know, the actual differences are. Is it really five minutes or is it three minutes or is it seven minutes? And so then you can start really getting a good idea of, of how much time it really does take. And then you can really start deciding, can I add more stops? Can I, uh, do I need to take some away because I'm paying this person overtime? There's many, many tools available to the, uh, to the pros out there right now. There are indeed. And, and I wanted to take a, a slightly different view of this in, in terms of achieving efficiencies for delivery and collection. And I have identified two different options. The first is that you can deliver and pick up restrooms within the scheduled runs. And this on the face of it would seem to be really efficient. If the driver's going to 11A, the high street, and there's a restroom to pick up at 114, then it's an obvious thing just to roll down the, the street and collect the next unit. And that's a really common model, that most trucks have got space on the back for an extra restroom. And in fact, it's good practice some, in some organisations for the drivers to carry a spare restroom just in case they have one of those ad hoc phone calls for a delivery on the day. If there's one on board, they can drop it off. The second option that is available is to use a dedicated pickup driver to, to make your deliveries and your collections. And there's a lot to be said for that as well. Obviously, there's a slightly higher cost because it's a separate vehicle, it's a separate driver, but you don't disrupt your daily workflow, that your service drivers can continue to perform their jobs without worrying about the pickup or collection. Makes it a little bit more difficult if you don't have a spare vacuum tank because the restroom needs to be cleaned before it's picked up, or you need to find a way to move the restrooms with waste load in the tank. And, and I personally am not in favour of that. I always make sure the rooms are empty before I move them. I would say here that two options that are available to operators in the current market. One, think about charging for delivery. Everyone should be charging for pickups and delivery. And I know there's a, a trend for people to offer free pickup and delivery because they think that gives them a market edge. It doesn't. It causes you cost, direct cost. You can charge more for priority delivery. That's pretty much standard. If you buy on eBay, if you go on Amazon and buy anything, you pay more for for, for immediate dispatch and delivery, restroom operators should be looking to do this too. Customers will pay for an immediate dispatch. 
Now, I'll also add in, and if Dave Andre's listening, I'm going to apologise now, because I know Dave and I have got a fundamental philosophical difference here. I believe it is perfectly legitimate to collect a restroom from one site, clean it on the road, and deliver it to another site without it coming back to the depot. I've done that. I've used it. Providing you've got the appropriate equipment and you can give the restroom a really good scrub up, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And you actually will save efficiencies because you maximize the deployment time of that unit. It's not coming back to the yard. If it's in the yard, it's not earning money. I wouldn't say it do it all the time, and certainly the units do need to come back to the yard for a really deep clean once in a while, but it's a practical and legitimate option. And if operators aren't doing that, I challenge them to think about how they could make that happen, making sure that the restrooms are appropriately sanitized and cleaned before they're deployed, because you absolutely cannot send a dirty restroom to a new customer. When it comes to rental, this is a tough one because the piece rate for a rental for the hire is usually quite low. And I've seen some ridiculously low prices quoted in Facebook groups over the last two or three weeks. The cost of putting the unit on the ground includes the purchase of the unit. And in New Zealand, restrooms at the moment have gone up. I think that there's been two or three price increases over the past year. I think you'd be very lucky to find a restroom cabin of any manufacturer in New Zealand for less than $1,000 or $1,200 New Zealand, which would be about eight, nine hundred US. Prices have gone up over the last year. If you've borrowed that money, you have to pay the interest. If you buy them flat packed like we do here, and like I know that happens to some operators in, in, the, in the States, you have to assemble or build the cabins. There's another cost there for labour and for tools. And then you have to pay your depreciation and any return on investment and deliver yourself some profit at the end. Now, an individual restroom makes a very small contribution to your overall profit line, but it's a valuable contribution. And if you don't charge an appropriate rental, you're losing out and you actually find yourself bearing those direct costs of the purchase. The revenue comes from the higher charge. That's an obvious one. Whether it's $25, $50, $75 a week for event toilets, it will be much higher. Of course, for luxury restroom trailers, it will be much, much higher than that. But there are opportunities to increase the revenue, John. You can add on additional products and services. What do I mean? Wash stands is a good example. Urinals, if you have standalone urinals at an event, there's another good example, can sit next to the cabin. You could upsell from a single cabin to two cabins. You could upsell your service interval. So the restroom rental itself is an, a window in and it's not fixed. And I think sometimes operators fall into the trap of thinking that the rental is the lowest component in their charging structure. And it shouldn't be, it should be an honest component. One element I would like to quickly throw in here is the fact that restrooms age. They do depreciate with wear and tear. They look battered and worn. And I would ask, is it appropriate to charge a lower value, to charge a lower price to the market for restrooms that aren't quite A1 grade up to spec? Some restroom operators do that. I know Hiralu in Australia, guy has done that quite successfully. He had some old fiberglass cabins in times of high demand he's brought those back into the fleet and is using them but he's charging them out under a different brand at a lower rate than his main product other operators probably don't consider it and and haven't paid too much attention to what their fleet looks like and others still will only deploy the newest and most visually striking units and they actually have a vigorous program to remove old and decrepit units from the fleet there's no right or wrong way. You have to find out the one that works for you. But I would urge operators not to reduce their rental price. Is there a specific industry that you found that 
um, finds maybe like a, a, a unit that's scratched or, or has some flaws to it, uh, more acceptable, like maybe construction or, or those type of uh, uh, those industries? Definitely construction, because it happens all the time. Construction managers are always looking to minimize their costs, and they'll ask time and time again for the lowest possible value. But I'd flip that and say, put yourselves in the boots of the workers on the ground, John. Would you want to go into a a tired, worn, scratched, broken restroom cabin with a split roof maybe that leaks in the rain? Or would you actually consider you deserve the best? You're no worse than me or anybody else. You actually deserve an appropriate place that's safe. And the whole sanitation industry at the moment, I think, is wrestling with restrooms that are convenient and safe, secure, private, and a pleasure to use. It, it, It shouldn't be a burden to open a restroom door and use it. I'm in favour of retiring products. I I had a relationship with a local plastics manufacturer who would take our old restroom cabins and recycle them. All of them have got the environmentally friendly recycle marks on the the plastic, on the mouldings. And our local guy would take those and he would actually sometimes pay for the volume or the weight of the plastic that he took in. It wasn't very much, but it was some contribution which at least covered the cost of getting them there. Servicing and cleaning, this is perhaps for me the biggest opportunity to increase your revenue that you can easily increase the number of cleans on a unit. And here in New Zealand, when I started, it was common to have toilets on a monthly service interval. And that's terrible. It's far too long. The blue chemicals don't last that long for a start. And if you've been in a restroom that stood for a month in the summer, it's really not very pleasant. I increased that to fortnightly and then weekly. With the pandemic, I know a lot of operators have moved to twice, three times a week, and even daily on some. The direct costs for cleaning and servicing are the driver's time, the mileage, the fuel, any consumables, so new um, toilet paper, new sanitizer, extra blues, the water, and in some jurisdictions, you do have to pay for the water you use, and of course, the water you dispose of, there's a direct cost there, and then your overheads as well. The staff on costs, in the Air Force they say that for every pilot in the plane there's there's a thousand people on the ground making that plane fly. It's the same in the restroom industry. For every driver in the truck there are half a dozen in the back wings who are making the business operate. Mileage, fuel, disposal fees and there's a, a looming threat for disposal fees, John, that there's an increasing trend for wastewater disposal treatment plants to move to not just a volumetric charge, but also to an environmental charge based on the biological oxygen demand and the total suspended solids in the waste. And if you're looking at that, you really need to think about what goes into your restrooms before you dump them. And at the minute, there's a a series which is being published on the PSAI website about winterization. And today's episode has got my article about methanol. Methanol is one of the things that you really need to check with your waste disposal plant, whether or not it's okay for you to to pour down their drain. Yeah, regulations, uh, they change from county to county, state to state. So, yes, definitely uh, figure out what the rules are in your area for sure. And then I've got at the bottom there software to check the site. I think the next slide, I'm going to talk about how long does it take to clean a toilet, and there's a huge role for software to play here. For listeners, what does your service involve, and does every restroom clean that your team perform look the same? What do your drivers actually do? Now, I've heard some really strange replies when I've asked that question in person. I've had at least two operators tell me that they've never been to site and opened their restroom doors. This is company owners, John, who are putting teams of four or five people out in trucks, never visit site to open the door. 
as a manager and as an owner, I think you really need to be doing this and you need to be observing and training your team to make sure they deliver the same standard. And the reason for that is if they're overcleaning, that's costing you money. Your customer is paying for standard A. If your driver is giving gold star standard A plus four stars, you're spending more than you need to. If your driver's doing a hit and run, opening the door, having a look and driving off, and you're charging for that, you're going to really upset your customers and they'll think that you're abusing them. So it's really important to make sure you actually measure what's being done in your service and that the team know. Really important to train drivers. And, and I had a, a thing where I, I would start with teams and ask them, in the pre-start, what does your service look like when you arrive on site? And treat it as a team episode, team exercise, and get people to shout their ideas out. And in a team of six or eight drivers, you will get 10 or 12 variations of what happens on site because not everybody does the same thing. I'm a big fan of systemization and homogenization. Make sure everything is the same. That only happens if you set out your cleaning steps. And I did run an episode on this at the start of last season, way back in February, where I talked through my cleaning steps. I'm not saying they're the right ones, John. I'm just saying you need to define what your team do on the ground. And I'm always shocked that a lot of operators just don't do that. There's a, um, a lot of technology also that can help with this. We, for example, uh, we have a customer up in the um, northeast part of the country, A Royal Flush. So they, with our app, they're able to have their driver actually take a picture of the restroom uh, before and after. And that way they use it as a quality control and they have someone who actually is going through that on a, you know, a daily basis. Part of that is, is, you know, they have thousands and thousands of units to have someone that's always driving around. This is a way for them to kind of spot check and, and kind of look for that consistency. They also, uh, it's my understanding, they also do have people that are going around doing the things that you're talking about to really just try and get a standard procedure of how how all that stuff is going. I think consistency is, is important. Um, if you are always known for, you know, having a high uh, standard and being consistent, that pricing also can go with it because you can, you know, everybody knows about the reputation and, and how you're doing things and, and your pricing structure will uh, will will really uh, help with that. I like the idea of using software to send photographs back from site. I'm a big fan of visiting sites, but I also understand, and I've been in the position, as a manager, you just don't have time to do that. It would be lovely to spend all day drifting around sites. But if you can get the driver to do it as part of their routine, you save a huge amount and, and increase the efficiency there. Absolutely. And so there's, there's other benefits to taking a photo. First of all, if, if a customer maybe is upset uh, that you couldn't service a unit, well, you have a photo now, photo proof, maybe there was a truck in front of it and you weren't able to get to it. Or if the, the unit was damaged, had you know, graffiti or it was you know, destroyed or something like that, again, you have photo evidence of it. Um, you can attach it to a message to the customer if you're not able to service it or partially were able to service it. Or if you're adding additional charges to it, there's that photo proof and it's time stamped and there's a record of it. Having apps uh, for the driver allows them to not only know where they're going and what they're supposed to do, but it allows you to track when a job started, when it's finished, um, have photo uh, evidence of, of actually what happened. 
and then also notes. And then they're also able to add, you know, additional charges. Maybe it is out of toilet paper or it needed more uh, methanol or whatever, um, you know, into the toilet you know, for that particular service and all that stuff is available right there and can actually just be done right there by the driver. So it's very, very uh, nice for communication back to the office, to the field, back and forth and um, many, many, many uses for an app. And, you know, with paper systems, I worked for an operator that we did everything on paper. It was painful we would often lose services that the driver would perform it and then there would be no record come back to the office because they forgot to tick the box or they forgot to hand in the sheet. But the software, I'm guessing, would eliminate all of that, which makes your servicing even more efficient because you're charging for what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it kind of, I'm, I'm a huge fan of barcoding. Um, and so you could actually have a barcode on each one of your units. You certainly don't have to. You could, you could know that you have, you know, 150 blue or 88 toilets. The thing is, is you would know what the inventory is, but you wouldn't know specifically that this toilet is at this location. That barcoding allows you for that next step. There's a lot of value to it because it knows what you what you have available. You know, if somebody calls you up in May for a wedding, uh, you'll know what you've already have rented, what you have available. That'll allow you, do I need to make a purchase? Do I, you know, what am I going to do? What? How am I going to actually satisfy that customer? Because a customer, obviously, you know, you want to you do your best for it, but not having inventory is not a good thing. And also, if you're, if you're missing or skipping a service because you're trying to do things on spreadsheets or paper, I mean, it happens all the time. We talk with people all the time that are in that situation. And, and there's, you know, with social media and the things going on, there's lots of ways to have your uh, reputation kind of damaged. So this is just a great way to know what's going on in your business day to day. So I would encourage everyone to, to use some type of service like that. You just touched on briefly their key performance indicators, and we haven't got time to go into that today, but I did do an episode about KPIs where I looked at some of the indicators, and I know that you can diagnose those quite easily from software such as Service Core, and they're the ones that will give you an indication of how well your business is performing. Are you overcommitted, undercommitted? Have you got fleet that's not earning enough revenue, or have you got fleet that's in such high demand that it's perfectly situated to increase the price on those? Yeah, and there's technician productivity reports, you know, people that it really helps you to kind of know who your high performers are, maybe the people that um, need a little more encouragement <laughs> or, or whatnot. So uh, there's there's so many tools available. So the next one, staffing, and, and this is sort of related to the to the servicing because servicing is performed by your staff. But in the staff costs, it's really important to think about this from um, the whole life membership of, of team members within the organization so it's recruitment all the way through to the day that hopefully they retire or the day that they leave because they found another opportunity but the staffing costs obviously includes wages and salaries plus overtime and I'll come back to overtime but you need to remember the whole team it's really easy to forget about the admin people who sit behind the screens and aren't in direct contact with the customer on the ground but their actual costs that do impact on the business Pensions, insurance, holiday pay, sick pay, they're all of the legal legislative things that you need to cover. I would also throw in here for staff costs, equipping the individuals to do their role. And that's a a case of the physical things like vehicles, phones, IT, desks and chairs, training, clothing and PPE. So those last two elements, these are the costs that are hidden that perhaps we don't always think about when it comes to sending people out on the ground, but a really important part. The obvious one, and I'll say this hundreds of times, hire the right people from the beginning and keep them. 
if you lose a staff member, it's going to cost you, I don't know what the rates are. I know in New Zealand it probably costs you in the region of $10,000 to find a new member of staff. I don't know if that's the same over in the States. I've, I've heard that's that's I've heard that figure. So I'm sure it's, you know, plus or minus a few thousand, but it's expensive. That's a lot of money. And it takes a long time. And, and while you're a team member down, that's extra pressure on the rest of your team, which can only affect your efficiency. You have to invest in training and development and restroom operators seem to skip this in a lot of instances. I know when, when I had people on board, you'd, you'd put them out, you'd double crew them for a couple of weeks, they'd run through the induction, you'd t- show them the basics, but that process shouldn't stop. You need to continually train and train and train because I've seen it happen. Drivers lose their way. They, they start to blur the way that they do things or they start to forget or they slip or they develop bad habits. And I'm not dissing anybody or, or complaining about the standard of staff. I'm saying help the staff achieve the standards you want. So back at the beginning, tell them what a service involves and then follow up and make sure that they're equipped and trained and capable of doing that. The most important part of that for me is observe and give feedback. And that means get in the cab and go for a ride along. doesn't have to be every week, doesn't have to be very often, but it, A, it makes a huge difference for morale. If people feel that they're valued enough for the boss to jump in the truck and have a drive along for an afternoon, makes them feel really wanted. And B, you can pick up some of the bad habits. Sure, they're going to put on a really good show because the boss is there, but it's really important to visit sites and just check what they're doing and then give that feedback in a constructive way. And I did do a, an episode about this in season two, I think, where I talked about giving feedback, even if it involved a bad message or an uncomfortable message, pull your socks up type message. And the last bit, and I, <laughs> I know this one is where Service Core and similar software will really help, plan your routes and monitor your hours. It's really easy to build up over time. Um, dr- drivers will claim over time when they've run over hours because they're overcommitted. Sometimes drivers will claim over time because they've got used to claiming over time and they live to their income. And other times it's because you're not managing things efficiently, that you just have given them too much work for them to do in the way they're doing it within the hours of the day. And routing is probably the biggest efficiency that you can gain. I know we did a simple thing. We listed our jobs in suburb alphabetically. And that allowed us to save 20% in work hours within the first week just by listing them on the job card. And I said we, we did a paper system. I wish we'd have had a fluent software package that worked for us. Paper system, just an alphabetical listing. All of the Aranui suburbs, all of the Linwood suburbs, all of the Hallswell suburbs save 20% in the work week. Well, knowing that service time is important. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier in our, our conversation, but we allow you to make a judgment of what that service time is. But then with, with the app in the field, um, you know exactly what the service time is because they do it a start and a stop. And then you're really able to really get a very efficient route. So many pluses uh, to this. You can then move a stop or, or whatever to someone who's maybe overloaded. That, that way you don't have to pay overtime. So, and if you move it to someone who you know maybe has less um, at that point, again, you, you've just made it more pr- productive for it. Or maybe uh, you you look at everything and say, oh, well, I can add two or three more stops to this this person's day. So there's so many ways to look at it. Also, I wanted to comment too. I, I heard just this morning that there are ninety thousand truck driving jobs available right now. That tells me that you're going to be competing against Amazon to, you know, to waste management to whatever for your drivers. So it's going to be really important, I think, that you find ways to keep those drivers. 
we had a conference uh, this summer and some really interesting ideas kind of came out uh, about, you know, just the health and mental health of, of these drivers. You know, the, the job may not be the easiest and, and they, who knows what's going on and personalized. It doesn't matter what the business is, but by making sure your staff is just well taken care of, they know that you care, all of those type of things, offering, uh, you know, whether it's a telemedicine, offering time off so they can see their kids' events or whatever it might be, is just something. I think really people should consider because um, these guys are doing a hard job. And if, and if you can make the drivers more happy, you can probably get by with less staff possibly in the office and, and whatnot. So, For sure. And, you know, I'm seeing in job adverts here, employers are offering extra bonuses and benefits such as discount cards for local retailers. So they've secured a deal with the big, maybe the electrical distributor retailer here. Um, extras because it is really competitive. Drivers are in high demand. And and if we're perfectly honest, sanitation doesn't float everybody's boat. Some people just can't do it. Um, it takes a unique type of person to, to be a sanitation driver, I think. And I would say it can actually be quite lonely, John, that you're in the truck usually on your own for eight, nine, ten hours a day. You're busy, busy, busy. You don't get very much downtime. Um, it can be quite a lonely existence. I imagine. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's not a lot of people are probably coming up to talk to their uh, guy while they're cleaning the restroom either. So it adds to the loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody runs for cover when the, when the pump truck arrives. <laughs> the last one, I'm, these are very generalized because business overheads are unique to every business. Um, but typical things, your premises cost, mortgage, rent rate, services, power, water, insurance, memberships, your vehicles, your IT, all of your assets, repairs and maintenance and everything else. The one thing I'd say here is do not be afraid to shop around. I can't remember the last time where as a general manager, I was given the opportunity to approach a power company and say, hey, can you do us a deal? Everybody's doing it to restroom operators day in, day out. Shop around. It's as simple as that. It might take you a little bit of time, but you may save a huge amount of money, especially on things like insurance. Providers will want your business. You are an attractive industry because we're thriving. The restroom industry is thriving at the moment. It's in high demand. So you leverage that power. Use it to your advantage. And then the next one is about automation. And this is your field, John, but I'm a big fan of using technology to make functions and processes much easier for everyone in the business. Um, just reduces the opportunity for um, errors. For I spoke earlier about losing services because the driver forgot to tick the box. But you can't do technology to people, can you, John? You need to involve them and have them live and breathe it from the start. I know I'll say it, if you give me an Android phone, I would be hopeless because I, I don't use Microsoft products and I don't know how Android works. So you know, don't hire me and give me an Android, I'd be hopeless, I'd ruin your business. But you need to involve your team and show them from the very beginning what the technology can do, how it works, and get them to actually embrace it and use it. And that can be quite uncomfortable for some people. I'll comment on your first thing. Uh I think technology is one of those things that can really make a big difference, you know, and kind of how we look at it is we, first of all, have designed our product so it'll work on any device anywhere. You don't have to know how to use an Android. You can use an Apple. You, you, you're comfortable with the PC, you know, what you can use that or you can use a Mac, whatever it is. 
And then the driver apps, it's also going down to maybe maybe some of those are maybe they're older drivers uh, resistant to technology sometimes or or they're used to their, you know, their, their specific device. Having an app that works on both environments like iOS and Android, I think is super important. And then also just make sure it's easy to use. Um, because overcomplicating things, you know, especially out in the field, these guys are doing all sorts of different things. Having it just be a couple clicks here and there, taking a photo, all this stuff just adds just a couple seconds to, you know, what's going on um, in their day to day. And then it really helps with communication back from the field. And then also just in the office in, in general, just the user interface and how easy something is. We try and make things very intuitive all the way from you know, how you set up a customer, you schedule that, that rental, that job, and then quickly being able to optimize by just clicking on one, you know, one button, having it go out, being able to drag and drop if there's a, you know, a, another stop that comes in that immediately notifies that driver. So it's just trying to do a seamless type of situation and then trying to manage the, you know, the inventory just so you know exactly what you have. All of those should be you know, really easy components and, and really should help make your business run more efficiently. We have hundreds of customers that are using it. You know, that's the thing that we're really trying to do is just make their lives easier, make them more money, make things more efficient for them. And I mean, that's what software really should be doing for people. It should. And, you know, I remember back in the day buying a Filofax in the late 80s because I thought everybody, you know, I just finished university, everyone had a Filofax. I never used it because it didn't fit with the way that I worked. On reflection, perhaps if I'd adapted the way I worked and used the Filofax more often, it may have worked more efficiently for me. I use my phone now for everything. I'm rarely not got my phone in my hand or my pocket. And I think that's the key that people nowadays are less intolerant of, they're more familiar with technology. A lot of restroom operators are still using paper systems. That's fine if it works for you. My call would be that the investment in software will give you tremendous efficiencies that you won't achieve on paper, John. Also, I think you have to decide kind of what your end goal is. You know, I've talked with several people that are like, well, I'm, I'm going to sell my business. I'm like, well, perfect. Let me, let me talk with you a little bit about what that means. If they'll give me the time, I can actually lay it out on, hey, if you start doing it, it's going to be more efficient. You're going to be able to show higher revenue, higher profits, everything else. And all businesses are, are sold on a multiple. So do you want a higher multiple or a lower multiple? I'm going to pay a higher multiple if my businesses run well and I can show profitability. People are going to be more attracted to that if, if that is your strategy. If your strategy is to grow that business and, and make more money, again, the same argument applies. And so to me, it's, it's really, you know, kind of getting out of your own way and pushing yourselves to whatever the solution is. I mean, you know, you're not driving trucks from the 1950s, you're driving, you know, a more modern truck that can have, do jobs faster, everything else. Technology is the same kind of way. And I'd add in there, it's a great time to sell a business. If anybody's looking to unload, there is a lot of demand for restroom operations at the minute. There are a lot of cashed up buyers out there looking to invest. I know Joy's got a period of time set aside at the end for questions, but my call is that next year, 2022, demand will continue to grow. We're starting to see the return of large events. There's a big concern that operators may not have enough fleet to deploy to those. But I'll set all that against the fact that costs have gone up over the last year, 18 months, and I expect those costs to continue just because inflation is back and interest rates have started to increase globally. You must, as a PRO, consider your pricing. But don't be afraid of increasing your prices. I'm not going to tell you by how much or what to do, but you will not. I guarantee you will not lose customers 
in bulk if you increase your prices. You might lose one or two of the customers who are price fixated, who want the cheapest possible deal at any cost. They'll probably come back in when they find out that you can't actually get great service for a low, low cost. You will increase your margin by improving your efficiencies, and those efficiencies are easy to gain. Some of them may only be very small, but they all add up, John. It's not a case of either or, it's a case of and both. You can do all of the things that we've talked about today. One of them will make a difference. All of them will make a tremendous difference. Sometimes you make more money by saying no to some customers than you do by saying yes to everybody. And I think that that's something, I, I, I think if you all who are listening, you probably know some of those customers that I'm talking about. And you know, it, it's again, raising those prices on those people. If they're not going to continue with you, I guarantee you someone will take those units and uh, you'll probably you know, have a happier staff possibly and you'll be making more profits and whatnot. So um, I, I think that that is great advice. I won't name names, but I'll share an anecdote. I took over an event that had been priced at around $10,000. And I did what I've talked about. I costed every last element from the beginning to the end of that job and the payment of the final invoice. And I worked out that it was costing us over $15,000 to deploy it to the event. Uh, and that was happening a lot, John. And it, it didn't take very much to work it out and start to think, hey, something's broken in this model. I hope nobody else is in that position because it's a really, as a manager, it's a really uncomfortable place to be when you're asked to account at the end of the quarter and you start to unroll facts like that. So please, if you're if you, uh, fixated on price, change your mindset would be my, my big advice. Change your mindset. That's great advice. Um, I got a few questions. So the first one was, when looking at cost and revenue, how do you figure out your return of investment on software? We do it a, a couple ways. So we have uh, quite a few calculators that actually, that we can provide our customers. Um, so if we know how many uh, drivers you have, um, and then uh, what you are the mileage that you believe those those drivers are driving per day, um, then with our optimization engines, we're able to run some efficiency models. And then you can take that, uh, the deficit, and then if it's a diesel or whatever your miles per gallon is. So th those are ways that you can immediately see just fuel saving costs. Uh, some other ones are just through case studies, things that we we know to be true on when you actually implement, you know, software from from beginning to end on how many hours per day a staff actually is able to save. Then you'll know how much, you know, per hour you're paying those staffs. Those are our ways as well. And then also uh, what I mentioned before, by actually understanding how much time uh, it takes to, to do a unit and then the windshield time in between, if we can reduce all of those and allow you to add more stops into a, a route or and or uh, move some away so you're eliminating overtime, those are all ways that you can look at the ROI. So you'll know what a software costs per month and then you can look at those savings and then you know those are some real easy ways to make decisions. Thanks, John. It's insightful. Pete, do you think inflation slash prices will keep rising in 2022? Unfortunately, yes. The current economic climate, we've been really lucky for the last 10, 15 years, we've had very low interest rates. 
and inflation has been held in check since probably the early 90s. In the whole history of the world, we're bound to see peaks and troughs and cycles, and I think we've probably turned the corner. The pandemic hasn't helped. I can't see it easing, sadly. I just can't see it. We've borrowed so much money um, globally to pay for the pandemic. Can't see it easing. Sorry. That's pretty pessimistic, isn't it? Um, I don't want to be like that, but I think you need to brace yourselves. We're in for a storm. I concur with that, actually. Yeah, I think you're being realistic. Can you pull a report for time it takes to do each stop by week or month in Service Corps? Yes. Awesome. How often should you reassess all your cost? Constantly. You, the p and something you should have in your hand every week. You can't leave it. Um, you know, I'll give you a really good example. I found out I'd been charged. I'd, I'm normally pretty fastidious around my credit card bill, and I had a look yesterday. I've not looked for a few weeks. I found out I'd been charged three installments for a subscription that I was pretty confident I'd cancelled. Now, I guess that happens in a business. It was only a couple of bucks a month, but it was a couple of bucks that I wasn't prepared to spend. Um, my fault for not checking. So as a restroom operator, as a manager, um, you've got to be all over those cost centers, Joy, every, every opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that's a wrap for the questions. Um, I did want to share, if anyone wants to find Pete's podcast, you can go to getflushed.online. Is that correct, Pete? Get flushed online. Um, any of the get flushed ones will work except .com. So if you go to .org, .net, .co.uk, .co.nz, that all work. I'd like to give a, a shout out. I've got a wee feature that I'm trialing called Pod Inbox. And if you go to Pod Inbox, P-O-D-I-N-B-O-X.com slash get flushed, you can leave me a message. And if anyone's out there who's willing to do that, I'll play it on the show. Last week, I sent um, a lady called Anna Lee in Canada a baseball cap. She left me a lovely message, which I played in the show. So I'll put the plug in there if that's okay. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Pete, when um, is your next uh, podcast? I'm going to be cheeky, John, and use this episode for this week. Um, awesome. And I'll tie it into a collection with last year. So if listeners do want to pick up on the last year one, I know it's on your website. I uh, know it's on your YouTube channel, but I'll link it in. And if they just go to getflushed.online, they'll be able to pick up this one at the weekend and then um, a link to the previous one 12 months ago. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Um, if you want to find Service Corps, we're at servicecorps.com. And I think that's it. We appreciate everyone coming to the webinar today. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me. I'm joy at joy at servicecore.com and I can push you in the right direction. We will also be emailing out this recording to everyone so you can share it with your companies. And that's it. I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Joy. Thank you, Joy. Thanks, John. Thank you, guys. I'd like to thank Joy and John and the rest of the team at Service Corps for inviting me to take part in that webinar. It's always a lot of fun, both in the prep and in the delivery. If you'd like to watch the whole thing on video, I'll put a link in the notes, and I'll also add one for last year's episode where we talked about the top 10 trends. There are just three more episodes of Get Flushed left this season. If you'd like to support the show, I would ask you to visit podinbox.com getflushed and leave a message. I'm starting to feel Christmassy and I'd like to mail out a few more baseball caps or mugs, so please don't be shy. You can record a workplace shout-out, leave a Christmas hello, ask me a question, or tell me which is your favourite episode of Get Flushed and why. 
And don't worry about making any mistakes, I can edit those out or you can hit the re-record button as many times as you want until you're happy with what you've said. And please get in touch if you'd like to talk about advertising on Get Flushed or sponsoring the show next year, or if you'd just like to record an episode for 2022. You can book a time to talk at getflushed.online slash booking. Okay, that's it for this week. Next week's episode is a question and answer session for anyone who wants to become a portable restroom operator. But for today, I'd like to thank you once again for your time. I've been Pete, and you've been listening to Get Flushed, the world's favourite sanitation podcast.